So sadly, we probably won't get another Scarlett Johansson Black Widow movie because Disney is happy to have killed the character off. Squish is going to challenge Anya again. I wouldn't be in the mindset to play tic-tac-toe after I blew up a 12-year-old girl. This bothers me so much, so I want to explain it as best as I can. That's an inside joke, audience. <laughs> Very inside. But, but, but we know the laws of movie making state that if you go full Moonraker, it can't ruin the movie. I just think I brilliantly defended it. I think I, I, I think I just nailed it. Whether I'm right or Jason's wrong, the uh, the editor always has the last laugh. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Max and Jason Watch a Movie. I'm Max, and generally you would hear Jason pipe in with "I'm Jason," uh, but this week we're continuing an episode we began last week on the subject of Marvel's The Black Widow, and we brought in guest host Anya, who left us with a question in last week's episode. And that question was, how many times have we seen the heroes fight before coming together to resolve the problem of the film? And so that is where, audience, we take up the episode. So listen and enjoy the show. Anya, but you're running up against... Now, I'm not saying you're wrong. In fact, I don't think that you are. But this is a necess, This is a necessity in all comic book movies. Or books. Comic books. I the am heroes tired. Heroes the first time, and they fight. That's just I'm the way it is. I'm tired of this. You no, know, it's true. I am tired of characters going apart and then not getting along and then coming back together and having beef because yes. it just takes up time. And the reason, the only reason why I'm pushing back against this a little bit is because the fight scene is actually pretty good. We get some nice judo, we get some seonage, we get some uh, we get some tomonage, a lot of good throws, a lot of hard impacts, but you're right. That could have been, that could have been spent on other, because we're going to get a, we're going to get a fight scene in a minute with the rest of the Red Room and all that stuff. This fight scene, it might be cool, but it doesn't have any emotional depth. Like these two sisters are seeing each other for the first time in a really long time. Well, for me, the depth. And they are punching each other. I don't, they don't do, they just throw some punches. You're right. But, but no, you're right. I I actually. I don't get why that has to be. The only reason why I I don't want to just full throatedly agree with you is because I do like the fight scene a lot, but you know what? It's a pointless scene. I think you're absolutely right. Despite the fact that it made me go, oh, ah, because I've been thrown and, and, and I, and I, I like all of that impact. I like, I like the way Scarlett Johansson gets like hurled through a door with one of my favorite throws ever, Tomonagi, the foot on the stomach throw. It's great. It's probably 85% of my takedown. Uh, Arsenal actually I've scored those that's one of the few throws that I've scored a lot of points with at the tournament on the tournament circuit but anyway well I'm very happy for you well you should be you should be on you um Jason Jason you've been sitting there yeah they the ruling from the squish um I think I I think what Anya's saying is that it's cliched yep and that's probably right 
Where are you at on this scene, Jason? I think I enjoyed it enough that I didn't think through it as much as Anya did. Right. But 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 I but but I will I will defend the scene a little bit more. I will defend the scene a little bit more than just the fight scene than than you did, Max. Is that I think the point of this movie, besides trying to redo Moonraker, which is already a point. So we've already got that. That's already that's already storyline. This is a film about a dysfunctional family. There's not a reason for them to fight. And so I I was fine with it. I think you're reaching. I, but I like the reach. I do like the reach. He sort of swayed me back. No, okay. I actually hadn't thought about the scene that deeply as you had, Anya. And one of the things, after you said that, after, I didn't after, after, after you made that observation, though, I thought, okay. I started thinking about how good the rest of their reconciliation is. Yes. And so I was just like, oh, wait a minute. That that stuff actually makes more sense to me. And you could have used all those awesome fight moments. Now, I, I think that they, de- they, they definitely need to have maybe a little standoff because they didn't trust each other. And maybe Natasha thought she was walking into a trap. But yeah, I, I see. On, I, I, mean, I think that you, you make a good point there. And I, I don't, I love the fight scene. But I, I, I think maybe, maybe it was, maybe there was a way it could have been, time could have been better spent. I don't, I don't think it's, I, I don't hate the scene, but I do see your criticisms. Go ahead, Anya. Well, I think I know how time could have been better spent. Uh-oh. <laughs> I think we could have had this showdown. Yelena kind of punched Natasha in the face because Natasha kind of ditched her. And then we could have gone straight to the scene where they're drinking beer and she's like, the red room is still there. And I reimagined you as my sister and you're married out in Wisconsin or something and you have a kid. And I, I thought that scene was really good. So I, 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 no, no, I, I want to, I, but before you speak, <laughs> What she just said reminds me of Marion punching Indiana Jones, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they immediately team up. To me, that's exactly on you what you're saying. From Raiders of the Lost Ark, the the the, the moment where uh Marion punches Indy and, and, and draws blood if if memory serves. And and then they they yell at each other for a few minutes, and so now I guess I'm kind of seeing on you that what you're saying is is that yeah let's do that, but let's also put in a fight scene that's well choreographed. And well, you're saying it's unnecessary. Well, I think I like your punch. She tells her about the red room. Then we go to so so after so what happens, audience? After if you haven't watched this movie, Natasha and and Yelena have a fight. Then their fight's over, and there's a kind of a nice little disarming moment where and you could have done this without the fight though too when they were having the standoff because there's a moment where you get the sense that Natasha has the upper hand by just enough that she's going to have more oxygen at the end of this and Yelena's going to be out. But Natasha gives up that advantage and says, no, I, it's over. And they could have had that done with the standoff with the gun guns when they're kind of faced off with one another. And, and then they could have had a little bit about this stuff that you that I sent you uh, is, is the way to cure people from the Red Room. Which, by the way, Jason's just mentioned Raiders. This was a very uh, Last Crusade moment where you brought it here. Why did you bring my diary here? Yeah. <laughs> I should have sent it to the Marx brothers. brothers. <laughs> we canceled each other out there. So, because because Natasha brings this glowing liquid back, and uh, 
which I, which makes I, I which didn't make sense to me either. Actually, was I was watching. I was like, why did you bring it back? Because like she doesn't know what it is. Why did she bring it all the way from Norway to Budapest? But I mean, she also didn't get much info either. You know, I mean, it was just a picture of her and her sister. There was no like take this to the Avengers and have them stop the right. Break. You know, so so I get a little bit of that. But but I do see what I'm saying that they could have like reconciled without the fight. But I think that there was a tendency to want to show how good Natasha. I think the filmmakers wanted to show how awesome N- Natasha and Yelena are at fighting and stuff. And I, so the squish is going to score this as a split decision. I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning on you here. I yeah. think that, uh, in terms of lean storytelling, I think that she's got a, a really good point. Uh, however, I, I agree with you that it's a great fight scene. Uh, I think in an earlier era, a good editor would have cut this out and and shot it the way Anya just said. But within the MCU... Max, I, I do think that you're right. This, this is one of the central fight scenes of the film, though. And it's, I mean, it's a, it, isn't it? I mean, I, I, but I think that I, I, th- I, I agree with both. I agree with what you're saying, but and I agree because it's a long ass movie. Yeah. It is a long movie. Yeah, and so, so I actually would have. I think I would have preferred it told the way Anya is saying to tell it. But, I, but, but the only thing I, mm-hmm. I don't know if Anya agrees with this, but, but, but I would have wanted a little bit of reconciliation, little bit of backstory on the red liquid, and then I would have wanted them to have the fight with the red room before the beer stuff. The beer stuff is perfect. It's that's perfect character development. The scenes that we're going to talk about later. But I also think that this action sequence of Natasha and Yelena fighting through the red room, trying not to kill red room people. This is something I didn't notice when they're escaping the the apartment, the safe house, which is not safe as we thought it was. They're chased by a really capable Red Room uh, assassin who leaps onto this falling smokestack with them. And Natasha tries to save her. She grabs her and she says, I've got you. She says that to her a couple of times. And the, and the woman pulls out the knife and she cuts Natasha and then falls. And we don't see much of it, but we see enough of the impact to make, to make a, I think to make a, an audience member wince. It made me wince. Then Natasha has a terrible fall. Everybody has a terrible fall, but sadly this, this Red Room agent has the worst fall of them all. Natasha is run, trying to get up to this girl and she's like, let me help you. And the woman has like the, the widow stings and she's about to shoot at Natasha. And this is where we see our first bit of Drakov in a while. He's seeing things through their eyes and he sees what we see, which is a pretty horribly hurt person. Like her leg is pointed in a bad direction, you know? Um, but then she turns the widow's sting on herself. This is also pretty rough. And this is where we get some of the mechanics of the mind control that the Red Room uses because the, the woman says, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And Natasha's like, do what? She wraps herself and dies. Yes, yes. What I didn't notice the first time I saw it is when Yelena runs out and she's got, she's extract, she was in the process of extracting one of those antidotes. And then she sees that the girl's dead and she just pushes it back in. And it's a very sad, resigned way, but you can also see her trying to be a little tough about it. That she, This is another person that she couldn't save. I thought that scene was done really well, so I wouldn't want to lose that act, this action beat. Or when they get to the, um, then, then they run to the motorcycle, right? Right. Because Well, no, they, they steal a car and Black Widow. Oh. Oh, yeah. You can't just steal people's cars. No, that happens. That happened. No, that happens after they get the motorcycle uh, because they get on the motorcycle. It's the brown one. And they run into the brown, which, by the way, is a boutique motorcycle, everybody. It's a C- Oh, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. It's a CCW Spitfire Scrambler. Only 250 of them made. And one of them was in, I guess, this movie. It's a British company. I looked into it. Uh, I think it's 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 one of the few times I haven't used a Harley Davidson uh, in, the, in the MCU. Generally, 
Harley. It's Harley Davidson. Cat rides a Harley Davidson. I don't know what Ghost Rider rides, but but hopefully a Harley. Hope it's a Chopa. It's a Chopa. <laughs> but anyway, the, the the motorcycle sadly isn't in the movie very long because they wreck it right away, and that's when they they steal the car. You can't just steal somebody's car. But before that, this is another element of Bondian filmmaking when that giant APC comes flying into the scene. And I was just thinking, oh, this is like Goldeneye. This is like uh, the hovercraft chase in... Uh, Dying of the Day. Yeah. Big action beat. And I think it's pretty well done. Uh, Anya, did you did you like this beat? Or, or is this another area where you're going to give it the Anya unseal of approval? I'm just going to say it was fine. It was fine. Okay. I didn't like when she was like, you can't just steal someone's car. You didn't like that. I didn't like that because of course you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As her, I feel like she has in fact done this in past movies. You're probably right. It was, it was, it was like, it was a lazy line. It was a lazy line. I thought it, yeah. I mean, I, again, I didn't think that was necessary, but the the whole car chase scene was, was, was kind of exciting. Well, one of the things that really sings to me in this scene is the chemistry between Pew and Johansson and I really like Yelena's kind of laconic approach to all of this. You know, she's a she's a she's a very talented operator, and I I kind of like the way she kind of. So, do you want me to do something, or should we just should I just duck and cut? You know, there's a there's a kind of banter that doesn't feel it's not it's not badly written. She's so good in this. She, she is. She's my I think my favorite character. Uh, yeah, I, she, I think she's a wonderful addition to the to the MCU, and she shines in this movie. But I like the I like the way they kind of work together. And and I really like their chemistry, but I but I but I just I also just really love the way Yelena acts about all oh, of them. Squish is going to challenge Anya again. Oh no! Natasha steals the car, right? Yelena steals the car, but but yeah. Natasha's driving. Yelena jumps in and because she throws the guy out, and Natasha's like, "You can't just steal some guy's car." And then Yelena's like, "You want me to go run after him and unsteal it?" No, so but but wouldn't that be Natasha spent all this time with the Avengers and doing the right thing, and this is her her little sister, right? Murderer, little sister, her her little sister. Because they're both murderers. They haven't really baked that in. I don't know. Anya, go ahead. Nah, Natasha knows. Natasha knows. No, no, no. What I'm saying is like they haven't baked in Natasha being radically changed in the way she would operate in the field. She's not above. Say again, Anya? Oh, I don't. I think she's not above stealing a car to get the mission done. And I feel like. Yes, but but it's different. Her her little sister don't want her to be like me. Right? Because she's unhappy. Yeah. Doesn't like who she is. We like who she is. She doesn't like who she is. It's how she would respond. I just don't know if I think she would, given the way that they were raised. And I, my only problem with it is that I just don't think it's a. So this is a fight between the three of us here. I just don't think she would have said that line. That's that's my only problem with the line. I, I actually didn't give it a thought when it happened in the movie, but after you said that, I was like, oh, I don't know. Like that's a pretty dire situation. I, I just think I brilliantly defended it. Correct or not, she's shifting back into. I used to stand up for you because she did. We saw that in the pre-credit sequence. I used to stand up for you. We know that that's a life that she wanted. Actually, it's something we didn't mention. She says that to her friend. Or no, I. Uh, she says it to Ross. You know, I've remade my life numerous times. Yeah. And, and so in her head, she's very used to moving on, moving on, moving on, moving on. Cap and Tony, they're gone. My sister and my parents, they're gone. They're all gone. I've moved on. I'm better on my own. 
suddenly she's back with her sister who she defended when she was young and she's right back in it. What the fuck are you doing? Why are you still in the car? Well, there, there, you know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe I'm going to waffle a little bit here too. There is also an element. They're hard on each other. Nah, that was Larry Bird three-pointer. I don't think you should waffle. I think that's... I think I I think I just nailed it. Well, I mean, but I, I would just I would just add to that though a little bit, uh, maybe a justification for this is that kind of bickering between the two of them because there is some animosity still from like like feeling betrayed by one another in some ways. Maybe not Natasha feeling betrayed by Yelena, but there is a sense of tension there. Going back to that dysfunctional element that you were talking about, whether I'm right or Jason's wrong or Anya's right. <laughs> This is a great action scene. And one of the other things that I kind of dig a lot about it too, we were talking about Yelena, but I like how much she says shit. Like, I think it's an underused curse word in cinema. And I like, I like, like, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I don't know why I think this, but, but like, like, I just like the way she, it reminds me of Goonies for some reason. I just like, she watched a lot of Goonies in her, in her uh, mental uh, brainwashing. Uh, but, but, but she, she's kind of funny the way she just delivers all of her lines and, 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 but she uses the curse word shit and I kind of like it. It's, it's sardonic. Is that, is that the right word? Sidebar. I think Anya's right that Yelena is sardonic. Uh, if we go by the Merriam-Webster dictionary definition, which is disdainfully or skeptically humorous, derisively mocking. So yeah, Yelena can be quite sardonic. So into the vocabulary sidebar. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay attention to movies from now on to see how often the word shit is used. Okay, okay. You might be right because I'm I'm wondering now because everyone wants to use fuck. Yeah. And they over and they over I, I, they overuse it. Yeah. And no, I uh, I'm gonna have to pay attention. But regardless, I think that this is a great action beat. We get a little more paying out of what happened in Budapest. The Taskmaster. Budapest. Budapest. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna beat that joke into the ground. <laughs> We see that Natasha is basically using an old escape route that she and Clinton Barton used in a pri- in the in, in the Budapest adventure, and, uh, and that's how they that's how they fool the Taskmaster. Would she and Clint really have played tic tac toe? I don't know. I don't know. I don't Chess, know. maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't be in the mindset to play tic tac toe after I blew up a twelve year old girl. Uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, no, right. no, definitely backgammon. Who knows? Maybe maybe Clint was playing tic tac toe with himself because Natasha was not there. But this is where we get that that uh, that final piece of the puzzle. We learn how Natasha escaped because Yelena's like, well, "What happened? How do you know that the because because Natasha doesn't believe that? Oh, what's his name? The bad guy, Drakov. Drakov is dead. Uh, or, I mean, is still alive because she thinks she's killed him. She doesn't think the Red Room still exists because without Drakov, then it can't exist. And so Yelena's like, "Well, did you see the body? What happened?" How do you know? And this is where we get the reveal that Natasha had to kill Drakov to eliminate, to, 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 to complete her defection. Right. You guys remember from Avengers when Loki is listing all of the things that Black Widow has done and he says Drakov's daughter. He says that? Yeah. yeah that's right. It's really not that complicated. I got red in my ledger. I'd like to wipe it out. Can you wipe out that much red? Drakov's daughter, Sao Paulo, the hospital fire, 
off and told me everything. Which yeah. is, since they've been building it up for so many movies, yeah. that's why the ending of this movie kind of bothers me, which we don't get there yet. But as you said, she kills this child because she's the daughter of Dracov to make sure Dracov's really in the building. So she, of her own free will, kills this kid because she, at the time, thinks the ends justify the means. And, and feel, it feels very bad about it. Yeah, but I think that that is a key development in her character. And like, that's her history. I thought this was a nice reveal because it certainly depicts sort of the danger and the kinds of calculus some people do in war and in in espionage and stuff like that. Natasha is fully culpable in this act. And I don't mind that. I think that it's an interesting character building moment. It's, I mean, I, I think that what she did was actually horrible. Now, you could make the case, I'm sure, that that was a necessary thing to do to 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 eliminate Drakov. You had to take this chance and you had to do it in such a way that left collateral damage and maybe even actively use somebody else as a unknown, unknowing guided missile. So I like that we deal with Natasha dealing with that pain. And, and you get the sense that that sort of plays, that, 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 that that's a huge part of who she is. Now, I didn't know that Drakov's daughter, when Loki said it, I always thought it was probably like some older woman like Drakov was like 50 and his daughter was her age and that's how it happened I didn't expect that she would just like you know put a pipe bomb in some kid's backpack or whatever it was that she did and of course that sets off the Budapest adventure and the only thing that sort of bothered me about this and it didn't bother me a lot but it was like when I thought back to the Avengers I, I like this story but is it something you would have joked about in the Avengers which is what was was what Barton and and yeah uh, Natasha do and I thought well now this is a great story but it's not something they would have joked about in Avengers so well, I, I, so I don't mind that they did that because you know you tell the stories that, that make the most sense I suppose and we just kind of have to deal with some some inconsistencies so I, I, I don't mind that necessarily but it did make me think about that because this isn't a funny mission this isn't a haha you remember remember that when we did that thing that was so funny it's like this you know and you remember killing that kid a lot differently than I do somebody's got something to say here i'm sure I don't, I just... no, you just ruined the avengers for me i don't want to talk to you anymore i <laughs> know so... you have a very good point you have we gotta point. keep going though we've got very juicy things to cover okay oh. we've got that action beat out of the way we're, we... then at, hmm? we're then at the beer scene which i think maybe brings us to minute 30 of this movie <laughs> yeah at this point our heroes are recuperating after their battle dressing their injuries we get some more acrimony between the sisters but also this is the beginning of reconciliation too because Yelena is a little bitter that that Natasha ghosted her and they're sort of catching up on what's been going on I thought some of Yelena's barbs while they were at the filling station were really really pointed barbs when like uh when Yelena's like oh well you're the killer everybody likes you know you're the killer that the, the, the little girls all want the little girls call a hero they have some really great moments like what says well I was out there posing I was trying to do something good to like like counteract all the pain and suffering we caused and Yelena was like well pain and suffering is every day and we are both still trained killers yeah and that was just so mean yeah yeah, yeah. no it was really mean and it, what, what I like about this scene too is that 
they keep coming up to reconciliation, but then they say something mean to one another. Like uh, what I think provoked that response from Yelena was like, uh, she said, she said something to Natasha about, well, you know, you, you just left me your sister. And then Natasha's like, you weren't my sister. And I was like, Oh, Natasha, that was, that was not the right thing to say, but they're like, they're both mad about things. And, and dysfunctional. They're both part of a dysfunctional system. Now I, I, I meant to ask this earlier to both of you. What did you think of the dialogue I, I know that you both were kind of critical of the it's wrong to steal a car and I brilliantly defended it. What do you think of the dialogue of the film? The dialogue in the next two scenes, like the scenes at the filling station and I like the scenes where they're drinking beer and Natasha. Also the lack of dialogue because I feel like in the next scene, Natasha kind of shuts up for a minute and lets Elena say her piece. Yeah, she does that, but she also does a lot of amazing acting in this moment too that I, Natasha, uh, Scarlett Johansson does while... Elena's doing her pieces. I, th- I hope that audiences who watch this scene see how how good Scarlett Johansson is in this scene because she's got mostly what she has to do is react and be sad in a way that isn't maudlin or going to annoy the audience but this just seems like this kind of resigned unhappiness but but I but I like the way she starts to sort of emerge from that in her in in the way that she reacts to Yelena here especially when Yelena delivers the false biography that she's made you know but no I think that this is good I actually like most of the writing in the scene and then most of the writing in the movie and the dialogue in the movie, the only thing that I hadn't, and, and the only things I've complained about are little bits that Anya's brought up that I didn't think about. But for the most part, I, I do like the writing. I like this scene a lot, though. I think this is a really great scene. What do you have to say? What do you think, Jason? I, I like the dialogue in the movie a lot. That being said, the the writer of the film, the main writer of the screenplay, Eric Pearson, mainly has um, uh, MCU credits as an uncredited rewriter. He also made an appearance on Max and Jason Watch a Movie by being one of the writers of Godzilla vs. Kong. Ah, masterpiece. <laughs> So to answer your question, I think that the writing is overall really good, but it really shines in, the, in these in these couple scenes here. Well, I mean, do you want to say anything about these scenes here, real quick? This is this is basically the reconciliation of Natasha and Yelena. We're also getting it juxtaposed between a normal family with two boys, by the way, who are the worst soccer players in cinema history. They're terrible, but they're watching this uh, <laughs> this little scene happen of real family. They're watching a guy who seems to own a gas station work on his stuff while his kids do their thing. I think that Florence Pugh does a really good job in the scene of seeming younger than Black Widow. And she's 50. She says the whole thing about reinventing her life and she's like, did you ever want kids? And she's like, I want a dog. Like, she went through all this shit and she's still kind of hopeful, it, it seems. And while as Natasha is, is jaded and yes, yes. that's not how it is. That's so, good. I didn't catch that. Did you notice that Natasha didn't answer that question? She sort of looked away. Yeah. I said, well, I wanted a dog. And I liked One of the things I, I, I didn't think about this now, but now that you bring it up, and um, you were talking about fan anger about Age of Ultron and about how how everybody was mad that it appeared that she had wanted kids. And she, she that was a regret in her life that, that it was a choice that was sort of taken away from her. I was happy that 
the screenwriters and the directors didn't decide to take that away from her, that regret. There was, a, I suppose there could have been a danger that they might have tried to retcon that a bit uh, in, in an effort to appease fans, but I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they let her kind of just have her own counsel, have her own thoughts about that. She didn't say anything, but we see what she, what she thinks. Yeah, she, well, let a character be themselves. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But at the same time, they don't spell it out either. No. Because we've already seen and we've already discussed, she has lots of regrets. We know that she loved Bruce Banner, for instance. Uh, at least in Age of Ultron, that's certainly it's more than implied. Yeah. But those were also her friends, and she cared about them. And at this point of the film, she's she's not dramatically rejected her past, but she has dismissed it. That was yesterday. This is today. And so I think what you two are describing is a moment where Natasha's in a place where she is so lacking in self-awareness that when her sister talks about wanting a dog, that Natasha can't even equal that because she has so severed everything that she would have wanted in her life that, that that she can't she can't relate to anything. And this is this is just where she is at this point. It's not where she's going to end up necessarily. Well, we know it's not where she's going to end up, but this is just where she is. And I, I think what we discover here is that she's struggling in greater way or a different way than what we imagine Steve Rogers is experiencing when he's on the run. Because, you know, this is, I mean, this film does, it is a direct sequel to Captain America Civil War. Yeah. Something that's interesting too here though is that like, so we, we learn about Natasha killing a young girl to kill Drakov. And what's interesting is how she's like, if I didn't kill Drakov, then that wasn't, then that collateral damage was for nothing. And so this is where she sort of starts to hatch the plot of like, well, why don't we go try and kill Drakov? And I really like the way that, the way they they have this little moment where where Yelena's like, oh, this is you're going to give me that hero speech, and, and that's not Natasha's style. She doesn't give a speech, right. but she d she does speak in a way in a language that Yelena understands, and that takes us to the next scene uh, where they get the helicopter from Mason. Anya, were you were you annoyed with Mason yet again? I was. I said, oh. why are they suddenly in the middle of nowhere? Where nowhere? <laughs> Anya has trouble reading her handwriting like her father. <laughs> I said, Pew is the best person in this scene. And I said, this guy is so pointless. She doesn't need him. <laughs> Well, before we before we go, let me back up a little bit. There is a nice moment of spycraft that is almost David Mamet like in in its delivery and the way that it gets revealed. Where Natasha and Yelena are talking, and then they look at each other and they look at the garage and they smile and they said, "See where he put his keys?" And then they steal someone's car. Yeah. And but it's a nice little moment of spycraft, and I I, I like that. I like that that we see their skills and the way they're always observing. Yeah. Andre doesn't like Mason. Well, they never tell us his name. They never say his name once in the movie. We just told you. Yeah, but they didn't tell me. I was uh, like, who is this guy? Do they really never say his name? They never say his name. I, I think she's right, yeah. No I, no, I think you're absolutely right. The funniest thing about that scene was when Yelena eats the dry granola bar. Yes, that is quite funny. Well, then they're on to rescue their surrogate father. Yes. We get a scene in a Russian prison where Red Guardian is in prison. We don't know why he's in prison, but there he is. He's arm wrestling everyone in prison and getting a tattoo. It, 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 it seems like a very Russian thing. Go ahead, Anya. It's some trivia. I think I know what you're going to say, but let's see if you say the same thing I was going to say. Go ahead. Shoot, Anya. He's got Elena and Natasha's names tattooed on his arm in Russian. What? Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. And, amazing. and then also uh, the first MCU mutant appears. This big guy, Ursa, is a Ursa major. 
Yep, it was part of the Red October, I think is what it was, or is that from G.I. Joe? That's G.I. Joe. No. That's the October Guard. October Guard, okay, okay. Yeah, because Ursa arm wrestles him and doesn't do well. At all. No, no. But yeah, that was interesting. That's the first Marvel mutant. Absolutely right. He can turn into a bear. Right. Sidebar. Let's dive into a little more detail on, on the MCU's first mutant, Ursa Major, or Mikhail Erlokovich Ursus. He was a Soviet government agent whose superhero identity was publicly known. In the comics, he had no criminal record. He was a member of a government-funded team of Soviet heroes called, rather collectively, Soviet Super Soldiers. The first appearance of Ursa Major was in The Incredible Hulk, number 258, way back in April of 1981. So endeth the sidebar. So here's the thing we can get into real quick. Um, totally sidetracked. Um, Red Guardian gives a story about fighting Captain America, 1983. What's he taught? Is he lying or is he telling the truth? Oh, he could be talking about Isaac. He could be talking about Isaac, but he's not. Who's he talking about? I think if he was talking about Isaac, they would have made some mention of it being not Steve, you know, not is black, you know, and that would have been something that even dim as he is, Red Guardian would have noticed. Jason, what do you think? Is is he lying or did he fight Captain America in 1983 or 84? He's lying. I think he's telling the truth. How? Steve is in this timeline. He went back into the past and I think he's a secret Avenger. I think it's I think it's going to be the secret Avengers. That's how they're going to explain it. Or he's lying. But I think I think I think Steve Steve could have been in this because remember he goes back to be with Peggy. Let's let's use Occam's razor here. <laughs> I think the simple, the simpler explanation is the better one. Do you think Steve? He's do you lying. think Steve did nothing? Do you think Steve did nothing from 1945 to when he gave uh, the shield to Falcon? Oh, I see what you're saying because he was he was around. Yes, he was around. Now that's what now, I'm talking about. Okay, the problem. Well, I'm glad I'm I'm not glad you brought this up because we don't need to talk about this. When we're discussing the Black Widow, <laughs> my biggest problem. Fair enough, fair enough. That's my biggest problem with Avengers Endgame, which I love, and actually I don't want to love it. I actually, when I watched it again, I wanted to find flaws in it, and I I really couldn't not enjoy it. But the fact of the matter is, is that look, if you go back and you marry Peggy Carter and you have a life with her and steal her from her husband, and you have you have the uh, the moral courage to do that and to take away the life that she did have without you, then you probably would have mentioned. A somebody that hydra is existing in within shield as a sleeper cell and if you don't do that then why would you fight the red guardian in 1984 oh, that's, yeah that's a good question that's a good point that's a good point Mic drop boom done <laughs> he's cool. lying i think that there's a ton of realities that have splintered from that though because of all this multiverse shit that's going on right now what if you went what if yeah well that's true that's true but I, then, I still think that you would be wrong me yes okay 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 that's two yeah, against yeah, not one. me not me that's two against one i win <laughs> The uh, the editor always has the last laugh. <laughs> no, I actually I, I hadn't thought about that. That's a great point. So probably lying, but 
anyway, Red Guardian isn't having a good time in prison, even though he's breaking people's arms left and right, because the prison guards are mean to him a bit. <laughs> and they take his stuff, his donuts anyway, which he shouldn't be having looking at his physique. As he's kind of playing with some of the stuff that he gets from his fans who still send him stuff, he gets a little earpiece in the head of a Red Guardian doll, a Red Guardian action figure, I suppose we would say. And so begins the escape of Red Guardian. What did you think of this, Anya? Anya's been the most skeptical of this movie of the of the three viewers uh, I like the scene you like the scene okay um, okay so but out of the three characters I think that Natasha's part is weakest in this scene in I think scene? okay yeah she has some fight scenes they're okay but Yelena causes an avalanche and Alexi is just really funny he really is he does everything that they say not to do yeah which goes back to my point about I think he's not well, and he even says it later on. I'm not I'm not the brains of this organization. I'm not the brains of this family. I'm the brawn. And so he creates a scene, even though he's been told not to create a scene. And it really looks like the only reason why he hasn't broken out of prison is because nobody's come for him. Because he could break out at any time. Because when they say, okay, we need you to do this, he immediately attacks both the guards, knocks them out. And he's out in the courtyard in like five seconds flat. Right? I mean, he's, it doesn't take him very long. And the prison's pretty excited about it. Only Alexi's breaking out. But I think Anya's right about this. Except we get a nice callback joke for when Natasha does help Alexi out. And she lands in a pose, which is the great little gag. Why do you always land like this? In this, would you throw your head up? And which was from Iron Man too, which was yeah. a great callback. Yes, yes. But this pose is not just Natasha. All of the Avengers do it, except for the Hulk. <laughs> That would be awesome. Uh, you know what? That would be awesome. <laughs> You're right. But like a lot of them land in this in this like strange pose. Uh, they do the superhero pose. They land. Yeah, yeah. They're they're all posing. No, it's not it's not strange. It, it looks good. But I mean, it's it's, it, but it's cool that the series is willing to kind of poke fun at itself. I, I so I love that little joke. And when uh, and we we get it a couple times, and it's clever every time it happens. Like when Natasha lands to help distract the guards from attacking Alexi. And she lands in that pose and she's like, oh, such a poser. But you're right. Uh, my favorite moment in this in this sequence, though, is they break Alexi out. Because I think Alexi might know where the Red Room is. That's why they're there, everybody. We didn't mention that at the beginning of this, this segment. They think Alexi knows where the Red Room is, so they're going to help him break out of prison. But Yelena starts to get her a helicopter gets is starting to get shot. And she pulls out what looks like a bit of Stark tech and blows up the guard tower that's shooting at her. She's very satisfied with herself. And then everybody kind of looks up at the mountains that are making ominous noises and Yelena says this will be a cool way to die there's, it's back to that 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 sardonic approach to life that both she and Natasha have, and I, I sort of like that. It, it, it's it's going to be what it's going to be. She's not she doesn't panic, but they they break Alexi out. Jason, what did you think of the scene? Anya and I liked it. Oh no, I I I loved it. I, I at least intended to be. I think the central action beat of the film. We have some action scenes earlier. This is kind of a central. It's at least the action scene that occurs before the final act yeah and, and i think for that purpose it 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 does uh, it, it it serves its purpose very well. Absolutely, absolutely. It's very funny. But we also get some more character d- development when we get Alexi in the chopper and he starts interacting with the girls. And it's the first time that he starts to learn a little bit about what they've gone through. Yelena is very mean to him here, but not unjustifiably. When she talks about the hysterectomy and the chopping up of the bits and, and he's like, you don't need to be so mean and clinical. <laughs> 
about this. <laughs> I love all their interactions. And I like it when I think Yelena punches Alexei and he's like, okay, why was the, why are you so violent? Why are you so mean to me? And uh, one of the things I do like about this character and also dislike about him is that he's very insensitive to these two. And I don't think he necessarily means to be, but like, he was like, I'm the Red Guardian. Why did Drakov, why did Drakov send me to America for this boring, stupid job where I don't get to do anything? And then like, we see that that it hurts Yelena a lot because it's not, it wasn't fake to her ever. But we also, based on what Anya was saying, it actually was important to him. And actually, I think that's one of the really secretly brilliant things about this movie is because, and I'll I'll expand on this in a little bit, this is a Black Widow movie. It's supposed to be her movie. And, and I think you could make the case that it should have been, but it kind of isn't. This movie is about this family. I mean, I, I wanted a solo Black Widow movie, but what we got instead was this story of this family and their interactions with each other, including Widow, the Black Widow, I guess, I mean, actually, all the, they're all Black Widows, all of the, the brainwashed uh, soldiers. But Natasha, we're used to seeing her interact with her friends. We're used to seeing her be vulnerable at times, but most of the time, 99% of the time, she's badass, she's, she's kicking ass and all this kind of thing. When she's with these people, she is as emotionally incompetent as any of them. And they're all emotionally incompetent. Because Alexei, uh, um, the scene, he doesn't get it. He doesn't, he is not plugged into what they're feeling. But we know, or I guess I know now, because I wasn't emotionally plugged in, Tanya uh, corrected me, that Alexei is also emotionally plugged in. So they're all connected to each other, but they're all in a certain amount of denial, which Max, this goes back to your uh, like to uh, spirit, spirit, yeah. a denial, a denial, a denial. Yeah. So all of them have been in denial. All of them have been very unrealistic about what it is that they really wanted, right? Well, yeah, 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 which we find out later on. But I mean, the picture we'll get of Alexi later on is that, yeah, he would have liked this family, but he really wanted to be Red Guardian. That's what that's the thing he's really complaining about in this scene. That part of the job of stealing the disc and all that stuff, that was what was boring. But we do learn that he liked having the family. And he certainly seems to have a bit of a crush on Melina. So one of the grossest out his foster daughters a little bit and they're like oh you don't catch a swift fox like that ew <laughs> but that's where we also learned that melina wasn't what they thought she was either because he's like well i don't know where that's at but melina don't know she's still with the red room and that's sort of an interesting revelation take it away anya hello <laughs> what happens is uh they run out of gas in the helicopter that's a funny bit they crash the helicopter they get out and yelena and natasha are very very angry and Alexi takes them both and is like, I'm so proud of you girls. Elena, you are the most notorious child assassin in the world. And he says some nice stuff to Natasha and he says, you both have killed so many people. And, and he, I think- He has a different set of standards. <laughs> he's really proud of them i think he loves them oh, i think he's very yeah. proud of them too i think that's right but and then he he kisses yelena's head and he's like i think he was really excited to see them and was kind of taken aback when they were really mad at him well, he, he thinks they've come back for him yeah i think that he went a little crazy in the prison 
Like, yeah, I think that's fair. I think, I think he was in a much sounder state of mind before. Yes, <laughs> he I seemed think that's fair. He may have gotten a few concussions, rattled his brain, but then they they walk to Melina's house, and Melina is there with some pigs that we later find out she has brainwashed, and they show up, and it's very tense and uh, kind of like a quiet like reunion between the whole family. Dysfunctional. Yeah, but then. They all end up at Melina's dinner table and they're talking and it's weird. And they all, all the girls seem really emotionally confused. No, yes. he is just there. Say like, what? Say again? Alexi is just there. Like he is just happy they're there. Yeah. I don't, did you guys notice that Yelena is sitting right next to Melina and Yelena is sitting up bolt upright with like perfect posture. And then Natasha is sitting across the table, slouching and angry. I mean, I, I only noticed it sort of because of the dialogue but that is interesting i didn't i don't think i i don't think i caught onto the body language i think it's because yelena still thinks of them as her parents yeah so it's very interesting i did not notice specifically what we're talking about but when you describe it emotionally i'm 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 totally able to feel it mm-hmm. i may feel it i so they in that scene all of them sitting where they were that that they were able to convey that that even even if i didn't know it consciously at that time when you're describing it i you know i i can totally grab it and so that's where i would go back to the performances in the film that i think everybody everybody is fantastic in this movie and i don't think we've necessarily i mean you guys talked about the chemistry between florence Pugh and scarlett johansson and i talked about scarlett johansson but everybody's great in this movie i think oh i i don't think you're wrong i agree right we'll get to him in a bit but i i definitely want to spend some time on ray winstone Drakov as well because they do make they do make a nice monster of him I think yeah uh, totally but this scene is interesting in that we we are seeing that they were a family in a way you know that they, that they actually did form some bonds that their that their mission never that, that their mission didn't damage their mission couldn't stop I guess is what I mean to say it did damage it obviously <laughs> because here we are with this this weird dysfunctional people but it couldn't stop the bonds from forming none of the but but at this point they were not conscious of it is what I would suggest in this scene that what Anya just mentioned made me makes me realize no, no, here they were but in the years before they they blocked it out right well I don't know if Yelena did but this scene definitely indicates to me that Natasha has has let go of that illusion or has tried to she doesn't mm-hmm. think of them as as she there's a part of her who doesn't think of them as family maybe Yelena is the closest part of it because they were so tight but like well, I suppose she was tight with the parents too but but the red room has broke her a little bit more than it has Yelena and so she doesn't that's why she doesn't behave like she's with family whereas Yelena almost falls right back into those old rhythms on you were gonna say something yes but I forgot oh I think Natasha's in denial 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 it's not just a river sounds like teen spirit that's right right. yes she is and that that it has been for a long time yeah absolutely any other things that you want to touch on in this reunion Anya that you think we should key in on well when Natasha is yelling it wasn't real and Yelena's is like don't say that it was real did you guys notice that uh, Natasha has one tear yep he wipes away I didn't notice that the totally. first time oh yeah she was upset oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well she's yeah. saying it wasn't real to because she doesn't want to be in pain that's right that's right and is that when Yelena storms off yeah yeah and uh we have that great scene with her and alexi alexi is alexi still in the red guardian uniform that doesn't fit i like it when he puts that on 
That's a clever scene. And while they're having their bye-bye Miss American Pie moment, yes, yes. And that cassette was still playing from the beginning of the movie because the song is so long. Have I, have I, have I, have I talked about how long that song is? I don't know. But Natasha and Melina have, have a moment where Natasha finds that scrapbook of, of fake family photos, which we saw, we saw them creating in the montage. So, which means Melina must have saved it despite stopping Natasha, right? That's right. That's, I mean, it's the only thing it can mean. She grabbed it and somehow spirited it away. But, but she didn't want Natasha to know that because she was trying to protect her from being too attached to something she knew she was going to lose, right? I, I think that that's what it has to be because like she knows that they're going into the red room again. Yeah. And she knows that, that, that Yelena's going into the red room. So the harder she can make them already, the better, you know, she's trying to get Natasha back on track. This is not real. Leave it. I think that that's absolutely right. But we find out that well, we kind of got the hint of that too earlier on when Melina says, I don't want to go. Yeah. At the very beginning of the movie. Go on, Anya. Was like, okay. Did you, did you agree with me? Did you just agree with me? I said, yes. Okay. <laughs> He's I, gratified. You I, agreed I, I just wanted to make sure that that was on the record. <laughs> but and then, then here comes the biggest like double, uh, the double cross that the directors pull on us, the audience with the next sequences. But Melina is still with the Red Room and she gives them up. Is that right? She calls the Red Room. They're captured by the Red Room. Alexi is tranquilized. He's been tranquilized the shit out of. And then they're all tranquilized. You're like, oh no, Yelena betrayed, I mean, Melina betrayed them. Yeah. And then they all go to the Red Room, which is kind of like a helicarrier type deal. And Alexi is very betrayed when he wakes up briefly. And then Yelena is sent to like a medical bay. And Alexi and Natasha are both put in prison in, on the Red Room. And Melina goes to talk to Drakov. And Drakov is like being real creepy and touchy. And Drakov is very creepy and touchy. That's Harvey Weinstein like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice, very nice point. And then I, I picked that up. <laughs> they have some words, Melina and Drakov, and then he's like, this says something about how you can never mistake the eyes of someone you've raised. And then the big reveal is that Natasha actually put a mask on that gives her Yelena's face, Melina's face, God, and Melina and has done the same thing. Yes. So they pulled a one over. And then it's the trick that, that uh, Natasha used in the comic book no no but she used in Winter the, Soldier Winter Soldier when she gets the drop on Robert Redford oh yeah so I want to ask both of you because I mean Anya I, it sounds like you didn't catch that I know Max did what did you think of that was that cliched was it exciting was it um, jaw dropping was it boring what what did you think of that turnaround go ahead Anya you go first I wasn't going to say anything you have to have an opinion me <laughs> like it did you um, did it surprise you? Did it? Well, I, I was not expecting it to happen. I wasn't either. I wasn't expecting it either. I thought Melina had betrayed them. I... <laughs> Did it work? Okay, Anya, did it work? I mean, okay, you weren't expecting it. You were surprised. Did it work? It, I thought it worked. Sorry, it wasn't one of the things in the movie where I was like, God damn it, that wasn't very good. Like, I, I didn't feel cheated, I guess. Well, I mean, okay. I For me, Jason, I, I think you're asking this because you have a specific opinion about it and you kind of want to know where we're at. But yeah. I liked it because it was a nice little callback from a, from a trick that, that they've pulled before. But this is, the, but they're pulling it in a, in a slight 
slightly new way. Like this is a trick that Scarlett Johansson, sorry, Natasha Romanoff has, has done before. And this is where we're, where they start to pay off scene by scene, the double cross that Marina actually, when she and Natasha were in the room having their little moment, hatched a plan. And I liked the, the kind of moment by moment, almost heist like, this is how we did it. I like Alexi's groggy, confused response to all of it. Now I can't remember, was, was Yelena in on it too? No, because they're just oh. gonna cut her head open when she hears Melina say, you've got a knife in your belt. Yes, yes. Oh, right, right. That's when she says this would be a much less cool way to die. <laughs> that's right. So that's 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 the that's the opinion from our uh, my family side of the ledger. Jason, so what do you, you want, think? Uh, so you want the squish opinion. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. We'll take um, it. I also was not expecting it. I also very much enjoyed it. What I wonder, it, because actually every time I watch Captain America the Winter Soldier, when that reveal happens, even though I know it's coming, I love it. Like, I think it's a great reveal. It's the equivalent of a cinematic slam dunk where you just want to go, yeah. I don't think, I think this is a, a, a great, uh, what? moment but i'm not i'm not so sure that in re-watching it that it will have the same effect what do you think of that i agree with you maybe so i don't know if i i, I want to push back on it but i don't think that i have a good basis to do that i'll cut that line out when i agree with jason i always think about cutting it out um <laughs> No, no, no. I think that that's a, a good point, but I don't know that it's supposed to be a slam dunk moment because it's sort of a callback to the to the Winter Soldier moment. It's just supposed to, I think it's supposed to serve as kind of a fun little, oh, she's done that before. You know what I mean? Yes, but does, okay, yes, yes, but does that weaken it? Not does it make it a bad film? But okay, that's a callback. But does it does it soften the impact of the movie enough that at bare minimum it's guaranteed not to be as good as Captain America: The Winter Soldier? You see what I'm saying? Like okay, maybe this is a, a solid single or a double, but this film's not a home run or is not trying to be a home run like Winter Soldier, which absolutely I'm just going to assume for everybody present knocked everyone off its feet. You see what I'm saying? I can I can I can say without doubt unequivocally with complete assurance that Anya loved Winter Soldier so much that whenever I would, sometimes when I'd be going to bed, uh, Anya is like me She, uh, when I was a teenager she would have to have something on the television before she would go to sleep and I would hear Winter Soldier on her TV at bedtime for for, for years yeah, uh, no, it was it was heavy in my rotation. Great. That, that one and Thor. The first one. Yeah, the first one. Very good bedtime movies. They're comfort food, I think. They're so good. I agree. But but yeah, so this this doesn't, I don't, you know, as much as I wanted it to be as good as Winter Soldier, I don't, uh, I, it's not an A+. Plus, so so does this callback weaken it? I don't know. I think what I'll have to do with this film is I'm going to have to keep watching it and seeing if it, if it moves up in my estimation the way some other Marvel films have done or if it just kind of stays where it's at you know well, uh, and, and so I, i'm not prepared to give an answer to that just yet catch me in a couple years when, when we'll try and hit that question again after i've watched it you know half a dozen or more times and then i might have okay. a better perspective on that so depending uh, perspective i'm either going to stay a squish and become more radical or i'm going to depart from that and become very partisan because <laughs> 
on out, this film goes full Moonraker. Here? Uh, right here, this film goes full Moonraker, which for me is a virtue. Well, it's, yeah, it's a great virtue. So, so Finn, Finn uh, quite, quite aptly said that one should never go full Roland Emmerich. You just, you just don't do it. You, in my opinion, you do, if you, if you, if you just, if you wonder and you muse as a director, should I go full Moonraker? I say yes, thousand times yes. Go full Moonraker, and from here on out, the film goes full Moonraker, and I cannot be objective. So you two take it. Well, um, it's in a low altitude space station here. Isn't, isn't that where the red room is in this film? Yes. Oh, yes. That that, that is hiding from the radar. <laughs> Well, the director certainly played her hand a bit when when she showed us that clip of Moonraker. So, so the director clearly loves Moonraker, as does Natasha Romanoff. And more importantly, my co-host Jason uh, loves Moonraker. So I'm going to make a confession. You've never seen Moonraker. I, I can't be your friend anymore. No, no, I've seen Moonraker. In, I was in the moment where Natasha is telling Yelena that she killed Drakov's daughter. I said to my wife and my son, Taskmaster's the daughter yeah did you say that too Anya I don't know if I no I don't know if I saw it that quickly which is a bit disappointing I'm 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 gonna confess to being disappointed in you All right, then. I was actually very... When I first saw the movie and they did the reveal, I was like, oh. And then I thought about it and I was really angry about it, actually. Well, I I think I know why you're going to be angry about it. And I I actually think you have a valid case to make. But I want to hold off before we get there a little bit. Jason, where were you at on the Taskmaster reveal? Again. You can't be be objective here. I'm sorry. I can't... No, I... But now I, I have to... I have to leave the Moonraker realm and I have to go to Quantum of solace because Taskmaster is played by Olga Kuryenko, who was the Bond girl from Quantum of Solace. She played Camille and did a a wonderful job. She's one of the, I think she might be the best thing about Quantum of Solace. Yes. No, she's, she's a great Bond girl in that, in that film and, and plays a great character who, who who has, who has reasons to be bitter, uh, which certainly this character does. She's not given the, the same kind of opportunities that she's given in that film. We're going to need to have a discussion about whether or not the Red Room being a Hugo Drax type satellite. Oh, I don't I don't mind any of that. That is when when they went up to the satellite, I was like, what the fuck? I love it. Um, uh, this is crazy. This is I, I can't I, I love it. I loved all of the chewing through the scenery that way Ray Winstone does in this scene. He's vicious. He's awful. He treats the way he he, he describes how he thinks of the women of the Red Room as this this resource that he can just mine and mine and mine and he doesn't care we see how little he cares about his 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 operatives by the way he treats them when they come into the red room they're in trailers it's you know this is very reminiscent of like scenes of from news we've seen of human trafficking of people being rescued from shipping containers or whatever the way he talks about them the way he reveals his own daughter to be no better than them she was damaged in the explosion he when he reveals this to to natasha who's horrified by what he's done to his daughter. The thing that she's been beating herself up over for years, he treats like just another resource that he doesn't care about. You no, don't feel bad. This is my greatest creation. And and he the, the neat thing about this is that is how confident Drakoff is in this 
scene where he's like, he thinks he's still going to get his get his cake and eat it too, right? He's going right. to get Natasha back. He's going to get Yelena back. Everything's going to go his way, I think. And there's this, and he's really reveling in it. I, I mean, I think Ray Winston is is brilliant in this scene. And this is this is where he's got to shine too, because he's not in much else of the film, right? I'm holding off on it. I think I anticipate where you're going to be upset about this reveal. But for what it is, I think it's pretty well done. This is the scene where they reveal that the Taskmaster is, among other things that are revealed, Taskmaster is his daughter. Not dead. You didn't kill me. You didn't kill her. But we've turned her into this, basically, this cyborg thing that does whatever I want. This bothers me so much, so I want to explain it as best as I can. Um, well, Yelena gets gets free. We see all of the widows, which I wish were younger people. Yeah. They all seem too old to me. Like, I don't know. Okay, so we get the reveal that Antonia is Taskmaster. Yeah. And what makes me so mad about that is that this whole thing was like, it was like trying to redeem a character that didn't need redemption. Black Widow. She did this really bad thing and she has to live with it. And then like that, it's all taken away and it's like deus ex machina. Like it doesn't like... It bothers me so much. I suspected that might be where you were going with this, but go on. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. It's a redemption that's too easy. She doesn't work for it. I think she made this choice and you can't just unmake it. It's like this thing that's been bothering her since the first Avengers movie that we know about. And I felt kind of like this is Black Widow's going away movie. So we need to make sure she's in a nice superhero, perfect package. Well, I I like what you said when you said, I, 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 I'm not going to get this exactly right, but you're like, this is not a redemption that she needs or requires or can even really have. But because I think that that's right. I think that the redemption trope is generally pretty overdone and and I don't like it necessarily, but I do like people growing. But I, I, like I said, I don't think that you can erase those choices that you make. You've got to live with them. And and I think that to the extent that there's a redemptive arc for Natasha, she's already undergone it. She, she'd done it all before this movie. So the guilt that she feels is just the guilt that she feels for something that, that you can't erase. So I was also a little bit bothered by this, but I'm going to explain why I forgave this move of the film in a bit, but, but it is an easy way to get her out of the, out of the red eye, out of the red that the audience might've, the, the red side of the ledger that the audience might've put her in for killing a kid. Like, I wonder if they didn't make this move, the writers or make this move because they were like, can we forgive Natasha for killing a kid? No, you can't. You just got to move on. She did that. And that's just the way it is. Is that something you can forgive? I don't know if forgive is the right word. I understand why it was done, but is it something that you want to forgive yourself for? I hope you don't, I think. It kind of made her less interesting to me because she's the most problematic character in the Avengers, I would say. Like she's got this history and I felt like the writers were trying to wipe it away. And it's like, you don't have to do that because the audience loves problematic characters and loves complicated people that have done and feel complicated things. It kind of reminded me of um, the Han Solo movie. Like Han Solo movie was like, well, he's always been a good guy. And it's like, we don't need that. We know he's a good guy when he's a good guy. And same thing with Natasha. We know that she's a good guy now. Yeah. Wasn't necessarily always the case. Yeah. There was a time when Natasha shot first. And killed kids. (laughs) That's right. Give me that soccer ball. Bam. 
<laughs> Jason, you've you've been I, I know you've been sensitive and thinking about what we've said here. Yeah, I'm I'm a big Moonraker fan. This film went full Moonraker, and I was on board, and and I'm still on board. But actually, what, one of the things that I've struggled with is actually struggled with my sheer joy that I cannot express to you guys about how happy I am that somebody actually was like, you know, Moonraker's good. I'm gonna do a <laughs> I'm gonna do a movie that 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 does a nod to Moonraker and the fact that I, I love the Black Widow character, no, I, I, you, know, you know, we've talked about uh, the Widow in the, uh, the comic, but just in the MCU and the way Scarlett Johansson has played the character, how the character has been written up to this point, how the character is written in this film. One of the questions that I've struggled with is, does the Moonraker turn ruin that? I've been tempted to say that it does. But, but, no, but we know the laws of movie making state that if you go full Moonraker, it can't ruin the movie. Which is why, okay, so there's the answer. Podcast over. <laughs> I, I, I actually feel that Anya has a point. Oh. Not, because, not because the film goes full Moonraker. Because I love that. And I'll get to that in a second. But actually, the MCU has done such a great job of developing her character, even in this film, but in all these other films, that maybe this is a little too neat, a little too quick. It's a Because, we, okay, we have gone along with her all this way. We know what she's done right. We have forgiven her. If she has not forgiven her at this point, then it's going to take something a little bit more than this. It, it shouldn't. But she's too hard on herself, but that's part of her character, right? No, that's absolutely right. Let her be who she is. And I, 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 if I, if Anya, this is where you're going. I, I think I agree with you. That I, I think I agree. I, I don't think I agree with Anya. I know that I, I do agree with her on this point, but I think that the film is saved for me by the, by what Natasha does at the end. I, I think given, so if I have to accept the reveal that Taskmaster is Drakov's daughter, everything that, that Natasha does after that is indicative of her journey up to this point. I think that if we accept this, if we, if, if, even though if we think it's neat, I think that what Natasha does after that, saving Taskmaster, yes. what happens? I like that scene. I like it for a few reasons. And so audience, we're kind of skipping ahead to the, to the, to the, to the, the close of the film do we want to talk about how she defeats Drakoff? she has a she has some kind of stopper as well some kind of like she's got like that fourth line of code in from robocop 2 it's called a pheromone block actually okay okay anya robocop 2 yeah but Drakoff but... beats her up because she's trying to trick him into breaking her nose and severing the nerve yeah to her sinuses yeah and it doesn't and so she slams her own head into the table and then she beats the shit out of him and he freaks out and then all of the black widows come and start beating the shit out of her yes and how did she get that i don't remember yelena comes to the rescue she attaches the brainwash gas to like a tear gas canister and throws oh. it in the crowd and then everything is okay again all of the black widows are fine and oh good. and you don't like that do you <laughs> Well, see, I, well, I that, see, that doesn't bother me because they, they do it. They do explain that Yelena explains it over the beers when she's like, uh, "What what 
what Natasha underwent was something much different. And then what they have is this like, uh, they sort of see what's going on, but they have no control over what it is. They have no control over their actions because of this control. So I don't mind that, they, that they're like, oh, well, this isn't right. So um, something we didn't mention, I believe it's mentioned at some point, I think it might be the thing you're talking about, where the early widows were brainwashed. And then wasn't it like a Hydra, like where they developed this? It's like a chemical or something. Where you didn't need to watch all the Stanley Kubrick stuff where they put drops in your eyes, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, no, no. It, it, it's a much more biological form of control. Right. Than, uh, uh, a, a much more direct neurological control. So, well, like that one like that one woman who's like, I don't want to do this, she says, yeah. uh, before she zaps herself in the face with her widow's sting. Um, do you have something? Yeah, I think the reason why this all bothers me is because I wish it was more like an, ab- that's bad. an abusive relationship, you know? Like, these people are there because they think that this is the only place that they belong and no one will take them in and Dreykov's the only one that cares about them. I wish it was it was like that, you know? I wish... I, I, I think the thing Jason was saying about being, it being so neat, I feel like it's all just wrapped up really quickly and I wish that it was more like... Because I feel like there's such a long history in cinema and in reality of women being manipulated and stuff and yeah. I just wish that it was... And the film, I, I think the film does nod to what you're saying. Yeah. So I think where I struggle, because I, I really do agree with you, but I love Moonraker so much. <laughs> and I feel like that what ends up happening is, and this is the question of this movie, I guess it, it depends on the viewer and what they want, okay? I feel like that this movie was a great opportunity, and to the extent that it does it, it does it well, where it, the kinds of questions that you're talking about, the kinds of character development that you're talking about, um, because um, Scarlett Johansson said as executive producer, certainly this film telegraphed itself as being a hashtag me too film. And, you know, I mentioned the, the uh, Harvey Weinstein, you know, bit, and I, I think that's accurate. I think that that's um, uh, that part of it is well done. The question is when you suddenly turn it into Moonraker, does that soften it too much that it takes, and which I think is what you're saying. And, and, and so you can respond, does it soften it so much that it removes the impact of what it could have been? I think so. I think watching the movie, I saw a movie that was in production for years that I had been waiting for for so long that didn't impact me the way I thought I was going to. But also, I have to tell you, I've never seen Moonraker. Oh, we'll have to uh, remedy that situation at some point. No, I think that, I mean, I think that those are all valid criticisms. I also think, though, that something that should be considered maybe is that this is an MCU movie that has to be wrapped up in a certain amount of time and that audiences have certain expectations for. And so I, I see all of your criticism and I think they're absolutely right, but I also see the directors and the writers thinking, well, we've got to we've got to hit certain beats and we've got to make sure that the audience leaves happy and not necessarily on a downer note. I did not leave happy. Well, no, I mean, the, audience, the writers have failed you a little bit here or a lot here. But so so I, I think your criticisms are actually quite are, are quite valid. Returning to that, uh, that pivotal scene where we where we get the reveal about Taskmaster, when Yelena and the others are escaping, Natasha elects to go save Taskmaster. I had a question about that. And what was that? Do you think she would have done it if it wasn't the girl that she thought she killed? No, I don't think so. Yeah. No, I actually, I take that back because she saved all the widows. She helped save all the widows and she didn't know any of them. And so I think she might have gone back for this person, but she certainly feels a certain responsibility for this widow, this taskmaster, which I think is perfectly valid. Now, if it was just like 
one person that they trapped in the, the a cage that she didn't have this particular connection to, maybe she would say, well, I guess we got to go. But in this case, what I like about this is that she's going to try and rectify this situation by saving this taskmaster, this this Black Widow, even if it kills her, even if this woman kills her. Because she, when I know when she I, when she approaches the cage, she's like, it's okay. And when she says that, she says, I know you're going to try and kill me. It's, it's fine. Come on. I mean, this is, I think, Natasha being her most heroic. And so even though I agree with you completely that this is a nice, easy way to help the audience get over the hump of Natasha having killed a kid very intentionally. I like everything that happens after. So I, while I agree with you that that, that is too neat, I think that everything that Natasha does after that is true to her character. And I think the way she would react to that is something that she's, we've built into the script. She wants to rectify this. She's always wanted to do something about this. And now, yes, it's neat. She gets an opportunity to give it a try. And and we have this, the, the final the final act action scene. And I like all of that. It's a good thing that the Mythbusters aren't around to try and tackle any of the stuff that happens in this, in this scene, I think probably. But it's a lot of fun. I like all of the interactions between our heroes. I like the widows, the way they sort of, you know, they've overcome their, they've been helped over their, their programming and they're trying to help out. And, and when, when it all lands and they've saved the, the uh, Taskmaster. I I kind of like the pathos in the Taskmaster when she said he's dead. Right? She's not mad at. She's not mad at Natasha. She that doesn't even cross her mind. He's dead. Drakoff is dead. And I thought, wow. I thought that underscored the fact that these women were were there the whole time, but couldn't control themselves. What do you think of what I've said? Does that help you with the movie at all? Does it change your opinion about the movie? Have I have I won you back a little bit to the Black Widow? No. <laughs> Well, that's all right. <laughs> that's just the way that cookie crumbles. Jason, what do you think of the the end? On you when you watch it again? Uh, probably. Yeah. What's and so I, I I actually, and I think this is the reason I struggle about the film. I appreciate what it did emotionally. I appreciate what it did. Moonrakerly. Oh, okay, but that goes without saying. But I think the thing that I struggle with is do those two elements go together? And I like them both. So I don't think I'm a good audience to ask my opinion of because I, I actually feel that the film does try to do a lot of really neat character development stuff. So I almost imagine that there was this uh, pitch meeting where somebody came in and said, well, um, so here's the film. Uh, I, you know, I, Avengers Age of Ultron. Joss Whedon laid it out for us. Got the red room. It looks like a Stanley Kubrick set. You just have like like pillars and white and black tile and, and young girls and Russians and Cold War. It's, it's easy. It writes itself. And I think actually that's why I didn't, like I, I put off watching this movie even though I love the character because I thought I, I could write this movie. There, you know, there's no reason for me to watch it. And then I see it and I actually think, oh, oh, you did that. You know, you you did something that I would like and that nobody else would like. So so you made it for me and I appreciate it. Charlotte Johansson said, what, what would Jason like? <laughs> Right, right, right. And, and I, I had Black no, Widow and Moonraker. There we go. Right, right. I had no idea. But they tried to put in all the things that we were all looking for. And whether or not they blend together, I think each person has to decide for themselves. I think the blend worked for me. It, I, it worked for me better the second time than it did the first time. And Anya, of course, uh, loved it. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I I like that. the The film ends kind of strangely. the The widows are going to go off on their own. It looked like, or were they going to go off with Melina? I can't They're remember. With Melina and Alexi. That's a that's a prescription for functionality and, and love <laughs> and family. But maybe it will work this time uh, because they're they're un, unencumbered by well, the red room. Maybe maybe my only complaint is that Scarlett Johansson didn't get to say to uh, Ray Winstone as Drakoff, take a giant leap for mankind. <laughs> Airlock. That would have completed my Moonraker fantasy. Uh, however, there was Max, uh, even though it's the pre-credit sequence of Moonraker, but when, when the Widow's kind of in free fall and doing her action scene, yeah. very similar to the, well, I got thrown out of a plane without a parachute uh, in the pre-credit sequence of Moonraker. So there's actually, it's not in sequence, but there's a lot of callbacks to Moonraker. That, that, that actually, I there were tears. If you look very closely, there are little rivers Violets the side of my cheeks where there were tears of joy <laughs> from, from my all face. Moonraker references. So they go off and as as the as this giant station has fallen to the ground and Ross is is approaching and uh, Natasha's fine. She's going to figure out a way to scoot along. I well, get. She finally says to Elena before they go, like she gives Elena that validation that she needed and says that it, the whole family situation was real for her too and that she should have come back for her and she says sorry and stuff oh, which, is, um, which is what we all need because of how the post credit scene sets up Yelena's character yes yes so that so the so the, the so after credits right or is it yeah. after credits yeah so credits it's end of credits okay post credits post post credits yeah um but well but let me ask both of you isn't there like uh because they have their uh incredibles moment where they all stand together they do and it's and it's still a little awkward i think it should be with that group that's my point i liked that i liked that because and and anya you nodded earlier when i said this was not a black widow movie it was about this family yeah and if that's a criticism i agree with you and i get it i can see where someone would be like that's not what i wanted and actually it's not what i wanted but i think for what this film tried to do i think it kind of delivers it anya do you see what i'm saying yeah i i i think it's it's good as a movie about a unit a family unit you know Um, i think what i wanted was more natasha central as did i actually (laughs) but i mean i get that yeah yeah um so let's talk about the the end credit scene it's post end game wait yes that guy that bugs the shit out of me shows up one more time and he's sleeping and he's the one that delivers the quinjet to natasha oh yes and that sets her up to go and pick up her homies and go and save the day from all of the guys and, and she's blonde and she's blonde now yeah he colored her hair but yeah. something else I, I liked about this moment though and i know you don't like mason but i liked that they explained how natasha got the jacket yeah that was cute that was cute and then there's the post credit scene natasha i was sorry elena is about to get manipulated by that girl from seinfeld yeah she she's only <laughs> slightly more mean than the woman from seinfeld she's a sketchy woman with purple hair 
Yes. So far recruited U.S. agent from Winter Soldier, Captain America. And I think she's creating the Thunderbolts. Yes. Well, uh, as I've said in other podcasts, this character, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus, one of my favorite characters from Seinfeld, actually. She's a triple agent, I guess. Hydra thought she was working for her, at least in the comic book. I don't know how they're going to play her out in here. S.H.I.E.L.D. thought she was working for them, but she's really working for some other organization. And she's set Yelena on the path of attacking Barton. Yelena has gone to visit her sister's grave after Black Widow has died and saved the universe and uh, <laughs> light work. And she does the little whistle thing that is sad because no one whistles back. And yeah. then you, uh, she's she also finally got her dog in the end scene. She, she goes to visit the grave with her dog. Yeah. And yeah. then what's her face shows up and is like starts talking to her. And you get the sense that Yelena has been working for her because she says, you know, you're not supposed to visit me when I'm on vacation. And then she's like, well, I thought you'd want the chance to deliver to kill the guy that killed your sister or is responsible for the death of your sister. And then she looks at a picture of Hawkeye. Yes, but not, what's your name? Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. I like the scene. I, I, I'm anxious to see where this character goes next and what this character is going to... Like, she's not the big bad of the next phase, but she's she's a part of the... She's part of some stuff that's coming, which I'm I'm curious to see. So here's the question. Have you guys both watched the trailer for Hawkeye? Yeah. Yes. So I'm expecting we'll see some more Yelena in this show, right? Definitely. That's what uh, I thought. So a uh, quick, quick, quick reaction to the Hawkeye trailer, everybody. It reminded me of a Die Hard. Yes, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, because of the Christmas and uh, was it Andy Williams? It's the most wonderful time of the year. But I'm excited to see a Marvel thing centered around that time. We haven't gotten that before. What it reminded me a little bit because of the banter that was going on, though, um, was another Christmas movie, Lethal Weapon. We get some banter between some heroes. It's Christmas time. Well, just like Die Hard, but Die Hard's that way as well. But yeah. but Bruce Willis doesn't really get to have a partner to go through his... Uh, the cop. I think I just get shot at and talks to him. Great guy. They become good friends, obviously. But but uh, okay. I got I got lethal weapon vibes more than I got diamonds. No, no, and no, and to defend that, it's clearly gonna be a buddy movie. Yeah. Yeah. Die Hard's not really a buddy movie, whereas Lethal Weapon is. Right. But but I mean, because you know, Lethal Weapon starts off with Jingle Bell Rock. It's kind of Christmassy. You know, Max, you've made the point that uh and 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 this is a great thing and an underrated thing about the MCU is that all these films tend to kind of channel different genres. And I guess that what we're trying to say, and so that's what Hawkeye is going to do, and it's it, it's worth waiting for. So I guess the question is, it's very clear that whereas Captain America the Winter Soldier, which is a spy film, channeled Three Days of the Condor and other kind of very serious spy films, Black Widow was a James Bond film explicitly. Start to finish. Start to finish. I don't know if it should I don't know if we should in our verdict if we should review it that way I think each person's going to have to do their verdict on their, their own absolutely way. I guess we can get right to the verdict I guess well is the verdict what is the verdict the verdict <laughs> is your final thoughts on the film you can you can say whatever you want you can you can you can do your laconic it's fine are you ready for your verdict or do you need to kind of take a moment practice your scales whatever you need to do here to you guys should go first Max you go first 
first as the squish. I'll go in the middle. Anya, you go last. How's that? Anya will have the most forceful verdict. And the verdict. Black Widow is a tough one to rate for me. Uh, the first viewing I saw it, I it was my least favorite of the Marvel films. To, today, when I was watching it, it grew on me a little bit. So I don't know if it's going to continue to do that for me. It does a lot of things very well, but it stumbles, I think. It doesn't stumble enough for me to say you shouldn't see it. If you're an MCU fan, yeah, see it. I don't think you'll, you won't hate it where it will rank on your MCU list uh, from, you know, top to bottom. I don't know. I think everybody's going to have their own place for that. But I, for me, it won't be very high. I don't think ever, but we'll see. We'll, re- we'll revisit this subject in a little while. Charles Johansson's great. Uh, all the actors are great. But if you're not an MCU fan, don't start on this one. That's my verdict. I, I, I like the way you ended that. And as the squish of the three of us, I'm, I'm going to echo a lot of what Max just said. Because the first time I watched it, I quite enjoyed it because I'm a Moonraker sucker. And so I was like, oh, this is great. But then I but then I got out my list of MCU films. Like, well, where would I rate this? And I realized it would rate pretty low. But that's actually still high praise because this is a series that has done great work. There's films with a lot of flaws, but um, there's still there's still a lot of great work that's done. And in terms of this film, you have a great cast. I think you have great music. You do have great dialogue. The only question that I would have is, and this is why I'm the squish, because the only question that I have about the film is something that is tailor-made for me. I think this is a very serious film about a very serious character that I care about. I'm a James Bond fan. Listeners of the podcast will know that. However, if it if it had been up to me, the Black Widow, one of, who is my favorite MCU character, would have gotten a Casino Royale-style James Bond film with, with, with great drama, great action, great cinematography, perfect music, perfect editing, perfect everything. This film does not really give that. But it does give us Moonraker, which is really my kryptonite. You will never see me say anything bad about Moonraker, even though it has a pigeon doing a double take in it. I know it's flaws. I love the fuck out of it. very hard for me to criticize this film. I, for me, it works. It ranks low on the MCU totem pole, so to speak, you know, in terms of, you know, top to bottom. Uh, But I... I really, really, really enjoyed it. And so I would I would echo what Max just said. I would say that it's it's a really enjoyable film. If you love the MCU, you should watch it definitely. Don't listen to the naysayers. If you're not an MCU fan, then you got to make a decision because it, you, if you like sci-fi, I think you should watch it. If you like spy films with a certain fantastical element, you should watch it. If, you, if you're insistent that spy films need to be as serious as from Russia with Love? Maybe not. And Anya. Okay, I've been doing some thinking while you guys were delivering your verdict. And I think one of the biggest issues for me is that I've grown up with the MCU and it's kind of become this sacred thing for me. And me and my dad have been going to midnight premieres of these movies since they've been coming out. And I watch these movies when I feel alone. And um, watching this movie, I've like I've always come out of these Marvel movies being like, 
like, wow, that was awesome. And I've like had so much to say about it and it's made me feel good. And this movie just didn't do that for me. And that was really disappointing for me as a Marvel fan. And I felt offended. I was like, how dare you people do this to me? Like, wow. I was like, I was like, that's not what I wanted. And I never felt that way watching a Marvel movie. So after watching it two or three times, I've not, I've warmed up to it a little bit, but I was still like, I was upset because I wanted to like it so bad. And I didn't like, it's fine. But I was like, I was like, how could they, how could they do this? <laughs> okay. So watch it if you want to watch it. That's just how I feel. <laughs> That's great. I was going to ask you to rank it in the following way. If you could, and I'm just putting you on the spot because you're a guest host. I have a, I have another follow up question after this. If you were going to use Star Wars films to as ratings from the new Star Wars films to the old films, uh, so you know uh, we all know what the proper ranking here should be. I hope this this may backfire <laughs> on me. So from Episode One to Episode Nine, uh, you can include uh, the other ones, but using Star Wars as your rating system, what is this movie? <laughs> Uh, Attack of the Clones. Whoa! God. <laughs> That's pretty low. I was going to say, uh, if I was going to use that system, I would say Revenge of the Sith. No. But, I think it dovetails with flawed, but has some strong points is where I'm at. But Attack of the Clones, that's a very valid thing if, you, if, that's, what, if that's where you're at. I, uh, as the squish, I would disagree with both of you. I think Last Jedi. I was going to... A film that goes in a totally different direction than you expected, and then you have to decide for yourself if it works for you. Oh, I like that. That's nice. That's nice. That's why I'm the squish. Am I being... Am I being... Attack of the Clones is... Attack of the Clones is not... Is not a good rating. But it might be yeah. a boy that didn't get what they wanted, or well, none of us got what we wanted with Attack of the Clones. Well, that... <laughs> none of us. Yeah. I'm. I mean, with Black Widow, because <laughs> you guys, just... you guys have talked about this in your podcast about how uh, with He Man and with the Star Wars films, you feel like most of the reaction was that people didn't get what they wanted. They were expecting something that would remind them of something, and yeah. they didn't get that. No, but see, Anya, I think I know what you're talking about, and I think that so like for example you know as a James Bond fan I feel like that you know I have an embarrassment of riches because I think there's great Bond movies that I'm very proud of and then there's really bad ones that I still enjoy but I, but they're terrible mm-hmm. I think that because I love Black Widow as well and I would have wanted a film like that for her character and we didn't get it and so I feel like that I understand where you're coming from that you would have wanted something that was really like a, a drive like something that was really really going to just kind of be the film that you go back to and back to and back to and back to. And I wanted that too, because I love that character. I I, I think I would agree that it's not that. This is interesting to me, and I I guess I'll linger here for a minute before we close out the show. You guys had a very definite expectation of the kind of Black Widow movie you wanted, which seems to be much more solo and solo focused, but I guess I didn't go into the film and maybe the reason why I'm warming up to it quicker than Anya did. I'm, I'm on my second viewing and I've warmed a little bit more but it's taking her three four viewings now to to thaw uh, on Black Widow but I didn't really have an expectation of what it should be in fact I sort of expected an ensemble piece I expected something
something where she would team up with some other characters from the MCU. I didn't expect a whole new slew of people, but I expected she would team up with somebody. I expected her and Barton to team up for something. That's what I thought was going to happen. And something I thought would have been neat, I didn't think they would do it, but I thought would have been neat is if she was the lead in this film and Cap was the person who kind of her, was her wingman on... on the reversal of... Um... Yeah, yeah. Like, kind of invert the... Like, Cap's going to help her out on her adventure and kind of continue to build on that that friendship. Uh, but, I mean, that's kind of what I would have liked to have seen. But, but so I didn't have an expectation of what the film would, would be. So, like, when Jason was, like, talking about films that he was wanting, I mean, a, a kind of Black Widow movie he was wanting, I would have wanted something like like Winter Soldier, but but I also like the idea of Ronan. Yeah. Like, that would have been a fun Black Widow movie because, especially the way that we've set it up, is she's kind of alone. I think I wanted the character to be a little different, I guess. Yeah. I was, yeah, I think I was expecting it to be a little grittier and a little more, like, yeah. Yeah. her I mean, being I mean, I... a really strong character. And she is, but it is but, not. But, but Moonraker isn't gritty. Nope. No. No, it isn't. So, I mean, as the squish, which makes me a good arbiter, I think, between the two of you. I... No, I mean I'm 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 really serious. I actually think that so there has been the new James Bond film is going to come out in November, and everyone's talking about how the new 007 because James Bond is retired at the start of the film um, uh, is going to be a female, and so there's a lot of talk about the next Bond being a female. Knowing the production company, that's not likely. The tragedy about this film, Scarlett Johansson, the Black Widow spy film. This film could have been exactly what was needed because instead of making James Bond into a different gender. This could have been the film that was a ready-made, already written female character who who was actually able to do a film on you're saying solo, you know, you know, kind of on her own, you know, uh, creating her own fake IDs and her own fake passports. Because you know, we haven't talked about this. Uh, the locations are great in this movie. This film does go to different places. Yeah. This this absolutely could have been very much a spy film, a solo spy film with a female protagonist. There's no doubt about it. And, and, and I mean, look, that can be done after this. There's, you know, there's no reason why that can't be done. But this is a ready-made character. Like the iron was hot, so to speak. Yeah. And this this could have been this could have been something different. I look, it's Moonraker. I'm happy, but. But Anya, I, I I think I see where you're going with this, and I love the character enough that I can I can sympathize with what your perspective is. No, I think I think that that's right, Anya. Where can people find you? Ons underscore solo at Instagram. No, just on Instagram. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> at Instagram.com. Folks, check out her art. You're back in school now, so you're probably not available to do a lot of commissions or anything like that. But but I will be posting more art now, probably. Yeah, so check her out. She's a great artist, obviously. Jason, what are we doing next week? Oh, I decide. Oh, it's your turn. It is my turn. You guys should do Logan. Is that what you think we should do? I mean, if I don't want to take over. <laughs> No, 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 it's all right. It's all right. Um, I had something. You're on the team now at this point. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Logan, it is. I'm excited. And then bad, and then bad news bears after. Okay. Uh, well, you, you're choosing, so it's fine. All right, folks. Next week, it's Logan. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get noticed. Shoot us an email at lordmovies39 at gmail. Get in touch with me at The Supper Test on Twitter. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Oh. <sighs>
Mas o meio coito dói. 